I have something I want to show you. A real quick clip. Would you go ahead and play that, Mikey, the video? This is my granddaughter, Isabel, who's three years old. Her dad caught her. Oh, it doesn't end there. Now she knows she's got a captive audience. Sounds just like Mary. Where'd she go? She's not in here. <laughs> All right, thank you. If you think, parents, that you don't have an influence on your kids, you do. I mean, that came from her heart. She didn't know she was being videotaped until Dad came around the corner. She was just having fun playing with her clay and praising the Lord. Hallelujah. He is the potter. We are the clay. Interesting. So today, we are, of course, in a series that I have called Catch the Vision. And today we're going to look at part three. Uh, why am I spending so much time on this subject of vision? <laughs> Thank you, John, because it's important. Again, uh, and this is from the King James, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You know there is a real battle going on for the souls of men, right? A real battle. It's, it's not make-believe. You know, when you watch some of the, the television shows, where do you think the ideas of those shows come from? The demonic realm, the, the murder. Hardly a show is on TV anymore where somebody's not killed. Where do you think that comes from? Our imaginations, yes, but who influences that imagination? The devil, his people. The world is rapidly becoming anti-Christ. In fact, when's the last time you were watching something from Hollywood and you heard God's name mentioned? Unless you went and saw the movie, <laughs> Jesus' Revolution, you have not seen it or heard his name. Much of the church, as a result, has become divided. Why? Because we're listening to the world. The culture of the world is rapidly influencing us. I've been reading this book. It's called Hearers and Doers by Kevin Van Hooser. And he said this. He said, to make disciples... Oops, never mind. To make disciples, we have to wake disciples... To make disciples, we have to talk about woke. To make disciples, we have to wake disciples. And he goes on to say, wake them to the metaphors and the myths of which secular culture is an expert purveyor. 
The world does a great job sucking us into its ideology, which is a godless ideology. Not everything that the world peddles is truth, amen? amen? Just like not everything you read on Facebook or Google is true. I think we've figured that out over the last couple of years. Jesus' disciples must know the difference between truth and myth. Those who do not have a basic understanding of the truth, of what Scripture says is truth, they can be swayed by what culture says rather than by God's Word, His Holy Scriptures. Incoming! Sorry. One of my jobs is to enlighten you to what the Bible teaches. And then it's up to you to apply those truths and hopefully live them out. That's not easy to do today. I'm just being honest. Kevin went on to say this, the process of making disciples involves both deprogramming, hello, did you realize when you came in here today it was so you could be deprogrammed? Mm. Isn't that truth? That means, that means exposing, critiquing, and correcting the pictures and the stories by which we live. And reprogramming or replacing the old self and the social imaginaries that funded, I love that word, that funded our former way of life with the gospel. Those myths funded the wrong way to live. We want to defund the myths. We want to get you into the right thinking that where you're, you're thinking with the mind of Christ. Romans 12.1 You're being transformed into the image of the Master Himself, Jesus. In other words, we need to get the right picture in our heart and mind. Not the world's view of who you are, but God's view. This is so important. When you start to see yourself as God sees you, everything changes. But too often we allow what the world says about us to influence us more. And I hope that you'll get this picture in your heart and head today, in your mind. God sees you different. God sees you as a victorious conqueror. Dave Williams did a masterful job of teaching on vision. This is quite a few years ago, but we still use his material today and uh, number seven of Pace Setting Leadership. In that series, Dave talks about vision and what it means for you and I. I want to hope, I'm hoping to whet your appetite today for Pace Setters, and, and even if you're not taking it this time, we'll offer it again soon. I want to share some things today about vision that Dr. Dave first said. Now, Barb and I used to sit under... Can you hear that too? Is it like an echo? Just me. It's in my head, that's for sure. I just hear myself like twice. 
<laughs> okay. When we first started going to the Hope, Mount Hope Church back in the early 80s, and I know that ages us, but we were super young. We had kids when we were 12. <laughs> Not really, but it wasn't far from that. Pastor Dave had a heart to see people excel for the kingdom. And God gave him just a tremendous teaching on what it meant to be able to picture yourself as God sees you and to see your future not as some gloom and doom thing, which many of us, we carry that picture of ourselves, don't we? No, Dave showed us how. You know what? If you trust God, if you really seek after the Holy Spirit, He will give you a picture of your future, one of hope and not of despair, one of blessing and not of cursing. But we've got to find ourselves in that place. Everything about God requires one thing. And it starts with the letter F. What is it? Faith. You have to have faith. You can't see God. Nobody here has seen God. But you can see His influence. You can see around us His invisible qualities. Everywhere we look, if you look at your neighbor, that human entity right there, it's God's miracle. Every person in this room is a miracle. And I was thinking about this the other day as I was working on something at home, and, and I'm moving my fingers, and I'm able to do things with my fingers, and I'm thinking, we're the only creature on this planet that can do the things we can do with these It wasn't by chance. You were designed that way. Otherwise, all the other critters would be able to do this. And they can't. Where was I? Philippians 2.2 says this. Paul said, make me truly happy. By agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Say with each other. Loving one another. Say loving one another. Working together. Say working together. Finally, with one mind and purpose. Say. What is this? No, you don't have to say that. This is vision. Vision unites. When we are all on the same page, when we're all moving in the same direction, that is unity. That is vision. When we catch a vision, we all begin to work toward the same or similar goals, and that's when God shows up. I think we've had a taste of that just in the last month or two. The more that we unite and figure out what it is God really wants to do here at the Hope, the more you're going to see Him showing up here in the miraculous. The supernatural is just beginning to unfold before us. And God's giving us eyes to see behind the scenes. And we need that today. People need to see miracles, tangible miracles, like people getting filled with the Holy Spirit being baptized with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Together, working together, one mind, one purpose, 
we can accomplish so much. And that's what I'm striving to do here at the Hope. That's what the leadership is striving to do here at the Hope. Everyone on the same page. Now, Dr. Dave said a vision. He said, if you can see the invisible, say this with me, if you can see the invisible, you can achieve the impossible. Now, this isn't some mystical, new age kind of thinking. This is faith. And just to say, let me show you this. This is Hebrews 11.1 1 from the Living Bible. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. Do you have one of those kind of nuggets inside of you? Something you want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us. Even though we cannot see it up ahead. That's what faith is. Can you say amen? Amen. Faith is invisible, but when combined with hope, we get a picture of what our future can be. The evidence of what cannot be seen. A little bit further on in in, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 27, it says this about Moses. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. Remember that story? Pharaoh wanted them dead. And every time he tried to oppress them more, what did God do? He released another plague. How many were there? Ten total. The last one was horrific, of course. That's when the Pharaoh's sons were killed. Yet, he still didn't wake up. He still didn't acknowledge that God was moving in Moses and through his people. Moses, it says, he kept right on going, right through the Red Sea. (laughs) Remember that? Parted the waters. And how many people walked through that? A couple million at least. They say that that's just the adults with children and even women. It's up to like five million. That's a bunch of people. And they all had to get through that water before the chariots because Pharaoh, even though he lost his marbles, at last minute he said, I can't take this. Kill him. Go get him. Kill him. And they're racing with their chariots to catch up to him. And just as the Israelites made it through and the chariots entered where the water had been parted, God collapsed it. Not on God's people, not on Moses. They had cleared the water, but on Pharaoh and his army. And they were wiped out. It says, Moses kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. If he'd looked back, what would have happened? Oh, they're coming after us. No. He didn't look back. He just kept looking up. You got this. You got this, God. How many of you are in a place like that right now? Raise your hand. You're in that place. You know it. It's like the armies of hell are are just beating at your door. They're chasing you down. But listen to me. You are in and beyond the waters being parted. God has you in the palm of His hand. Under the wing of of God Almighty. You're in the safest place you can be. Don't forget that. Don't let anybody 
steal that from you. Hallelujah. Vision requires keeping an eye on the one who is invisible. Trusting him that he's got this. Has he ever not been faithful? He has always accomplished everything he said he would accomplish, and he continues to do that today. The older that you get in your faith, the greater your trust is in God Almighty. And I say that from my own personal experience. Repeating what Dr. Dave said, if we can see the invisible, we can achieve the impossible. That's good news. I was going to bring one in, but I decided just to go with a picture so everybody here and at home can see this. What do you see? Great. It is an acorn. I can't deny that. The picture proves it. And, of course, it's a hand holding the acorn. But I'm trying to point out the acorn. And you saw the word there, acorn. That kind of gave it away. But some people, those with vision, what do they see? They see a seed, don't they? They see an oak tree. And some people who really put their trust in God, what do they see? An oak forest. I don't know what they said over there. Slap that guy, will you? <laughs> Now, so far, you've been pretty good, but. <laughs> Vision is the process of forming a picture in the mind of your desired outcome, even though it's not yet manifested. This takes what? Faith. Faith. You know, we're going to talk a lot about faith over this next couple of months. I have a feeling you're going to see this as a recurring theme. There are certain principles of heaven that always do what they always do. <laughs> I want to say that again. There are certain principles, kingdom principles, that always do what they always do, meaning that you can trust what the Holy Bible says, what the words say. You can apply them to your life, and you will get a sa the same or a similar outcome. Because God doesn't change. Right? Now, that's not to say you can't do something new. That's not what I mean. What I am saying, though, is when you exercise faith, what does God say about that? What? I can't hear you. Pleasing, yes. You're pleasing God. And what does God like to do when his kids are pleasing him? Ah, reward them. How many could use a reward? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Nah, let's just get cursed. No, we want God to bless us, don't we? What is our part? We're going to talk about this in a minute, but obey. You do what this book says to do. I love Scripture. Because if it wasn't for Scripture, I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> no, that's not the only reason. Just like you, 
if I live according to the principles we see in the Bible, I will be blessed. That's not why I do it. I do it because I love God and I want to please Him. That should be our motivation. It's not to get. In fact, it's the opposite. It's to give. We want to give away what God has given us. Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus exercised faith? Yeah. Duh. He sure did because he was the master. And he showed us how to live. He said this in Mark eleven twenty four. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Do you think that Jesus was tricking us? He's just playing with us. Hey, Dad, watch this. I'm going to tell them they can pray for anything. No. It's not the kind of God we serve. He doesn't trick us. He's truthful. Jesus is truth. I tell you the truth. You can pray for anything, and if you believe you've received it, it will be yours. That means that whatever it is that you're asking the Lord for, get a picture of it in your heart, in your mind, in your, in your spirit. Amen? Amen. Believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And I want to add that vision helps accomplish the invisible. To get that vision from God. Do you think Jesus ever exercised vision? I think I have this one up there. There you go. Think about Jesus walking along that dusty path or the lake shore, and, and I have a hard time not going fishing, but that's just in my mind. You go where you want. Some of you are laying at the beach. Some of you are going to go lay at the beach. Yeah. I'm a little envious. What did he see along that dusty path, along that lake shore? He saw men, lowly men, some would call them shepherds, carpenters, fishermen, even tax collectors. Did he see them as lowly men, as carpenters, shepherds, tax collectors, fishermen? What did he see them as? What did he say? What was the first thing he said to them? Come and what? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Do you think that Jesus saw them in that capacity? Future tense. When he called them, he saw every one of them as the powerhouses that they were going to be. He had no issue believing that, yeah, these men, even though from the natural, the devil's going, ha, that's who you're picking? He wasn't worried. Those guys had big mouths. They were boisterous. They denied Jesus over and again. He had nothing to fear. Or did he? (laughs) Jesus knew what he was doing when he called them. Hallelujah. I want to clarify that the vision that I'm speaking of is not supernatural vision or or the prophecy that we see in Joel 2 and, and other places like that. I'm referring to the kind of vision that Dr. Dave defines as this. 
It's a comprehensive sense of where you are now and where you're going. Say that with me. A comprehensive sense of where you are now and where you're going. That's, that's saying that you have an understanding of what God wants to do in your life. Where He wants to take you. Now, when I started many, many years ago, back in the 80s, it started with a vision. God gave me a, a picture of me being surrounded, Barb and I, being surrounded by uh, children. And it didn't dawn on me at the time what it meant, but three years later, we took over the children's ministry in Lansing, Michigan. And for eight years, we were blessed to be the children's pastors, and we saw hundreds and hundreds of children receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and begin serving Him. God gave us a vision, a future tense vision of what He was going to do in our lives. We didn't realize it at the time, but that's what became of us. Hallelujah. Dave went on to say, it is the big picture of your future where you're headed. Do you know where you're headed? Anybody? Some of you, maybe, maybe not. We're all going to heaven, right? Hopefully. You can get that picture in your head. But what is God trying to do with you? And I've said this over and again, that every single person in this room, God has a purpose for you. But you have to figure out, our job is figure out what that purpose is. Look at your neighbor and say, what's your purpose? Dave, I know what your purpose is. It's to blow that shofar every now and then. Go ahead and blow it. Come on. You have a gift. Wow, that's a note I hadn't heard yet. <laughs> can, can you do taps with it too? No. <laughs> Vision is the big picture of your future. It's where you're headed. And God wants you to know where you're headed so that you can plan and prepare. But if you don't know where you're going, where are you going to end up? <laughs> Hello? Let me, let me put it a different way. Think about a masterpiece painter. When a masterpiece painter begins to work, do her work, does it just pop onto the page or on the canvas? What has to happen first? Thank you. She has to have a vision of what that picture is going to look like, the end product. Maybe not all the details, but at least the general idea of what's going to happen with it. And then she gets the different pigments of paint and begins to apply them to the canvas. And soon it looks just like or very similar to what she had in her heart, in her mind. The same is true with vision. God has a vision for your life and you need to figure out what it is. What is your purpose? What is His plan for you? And when you begin to paint your picture, it becomes reality. Truth. I never thought I was going to be here 
30 years later, 40 years later, I worked at General Motors in their engineering facility. I, I had no clue that God was going to say, Norm, I want you to be a pastor. I would have gone, if he'd said that from the start, I would have probably said, I ain't, uh-uh, nope. Nope, I'm out, yep. Because it would have freaked me out. I didn't even like to be around people most of the time. God has a sense of humor. And he started working on us. Me. And he began to, to put his love in my heart for people. He gave me a vision of what it might look like to be a pastor of a church. And then he called us up here in this Wonderful, snowy wilderness. <laughs> Would I rather be at the beach? Or at least throwing some lure out in Lake Okeechobee. Well, but I'm smart enough to know that if I don't do what God has given me to do, I'm in the wrong place. And the blessings aren't going to be in the wrong place. Amen. So let me just add this. This isn't from Dave, just as I'm working through this. If you don't sense that all of the rewards of God are following you, that his blessings are with you, maybe it's because you're not in the right place. And here's the good news. You can change that today. God doesn't keep record. If you've blown it up to this point in your life, it's okay. Put it under the blood, as we like to call it. Leave it at the altar. Leave it at the, altar. Leave it at the cross. Leave it. And get on with Him. Amen. Catch that vision that God has for you and then begin applying it to your life. Do the things the Scriptures tell you to do and let the Holy Spirit inspire and move on you. Hallelujah. Pastor Dave, going back to the, his story, when we started under his tutelage, tutelage, un, he was the pastor. He became pastor. He did. Yeah. Um, we were there a week. We, the first Sunday that we attended Mount Hope Lansing, Pastor Dave wasn't the pastor. It was the other guy before him, Pastor Snook. And he was preaching his retirement sermon. Little did we know the next week they were going to bring Dave in just as a cover, just to fill in the pulpit, right? Because they didn't think Dave had what it took. And every week, Dave kept getting better and better. And I'm telling you, it was amazing. In three months' time, everybody was saying the same thing. What about Dave? And finally, the pulpit committee, that's what they used to call them when the, the board would get together and pick their next pastor. The pulpit committee goes, what about Dave? Well, here's the thing. God gave Dave a vision. A vision for Lansing and greater Lansing. And he'll tell you this, and you'll hear this in uh, number seven of his teaching. He said that as he was in prayer, and he prayed a lot, 
as he was in prayer asking the Lord, Lord, what are you doing here? What, what do you want me to do here? What do you want this church to become? God spoke to him and gave him a scripture to hang on to. And it was Acts 13.44, and that says this, The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. And when Dave got this into his spirit, nothing could stop him. He was like, I know God's doing something here. Something so much bigger than me. And he began not seeing 220 people out there, which is what we were, that's how many were there when Barb and I started at Mount Hope and Lansing. Within months, we started to grow. The ushers had to get more chairs out. How cool is that? Pretty soon, there wasn't enough room for all the people. Are you prepared for this? I'm asking you. Are you prepared for this? What if this were to happen in a month or two months or next week? Would you be ready for that? Would you be willing to give up your seat so that somebody could come in here and take that seat and hear the gospel and maybe it will change their lives? To God be the glory. And that's what Dave saw when he read this, when he saw out amongst the congregation, the church seated 450. That wasn't enough. They had to go to a second service. Then they had to go to a third. Do the math. Then they had to add a fourth in the evening. So they were doing, Dave was preaching five messages a day. That's a lot of work for the pastor. And, and a lot of the people would, would work one service, go to another. That's how everybody did it, if you were part of the church. It required everyone to have a similar vision. Our vision lined up with Dave's vision. Whatever God gave us, it helped lift Dave's vision. Does that make sense? It wasn't contradictory to what Dave was trying to do. That's important to understand. Eventually, our church had to add a new building, and we ended up building a 3,200-seat auditorium on Crates Road. And that was such a blast. Yeah. And of course, we ended up going to Bible college for several years. And then when we came back, when Dave invited us to come back and be his children's pastors, we got to see the church grow to about 6,000 people uh, when we left in um, 2000. What I'm trying to say is, and this is something that Dave says, vision is the driving force behind the activities of a motivated group of people. Vision is the driving force behind the activities of a motivated group of people. When we caught what Dave was trying to do, we found our place and we began to work toward the goal of reaching our city. Do you think that could happen here? I believe it could, and I believe it is. 
success, bearing fruit, seeing increase, is largely a result of vision. It does not hinge, hear this, it does not hinge on the right resources nor the approval of man. In fact, quite often, you're going to have, I said this last week, you're going to have people that are saying to you, that's stupid. Why would you do that? It's being able to see the right things. The seed becoming an apple tree and then an orchard. It requires faith and then actions. We have to work toward that goal of whatever the vision is, whatever the picture God has given us shows us. We want to see that come to pass. As you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, have you noticed that Jesus always painted a picture with his words? Always. Why? Because if he can give you a vision that you can grab hold of, it will stick. That's why he used pictures. That's why he used metaphors. He was a master storyteller. Pictures allow us to imagine in our minds what is taking place. When you listen to Jesus tell a story, you can almost imagine yourself being there. At least I can. For example, in Matthew 17, 20, you don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think Jesus had a mustard seed when he said this? Hello? Am I the only one here? How big is a mustard seed? Can you see those teeny little things? That's how big they are. Jesus held that little thing up. And he said, if you have faith this size, you can say to this mountain, and I'm sure there was a mountain there, move, and it will move. You can say to this mountain, move, and it will move. If you can see the invisible, you can achieve the impossible. How many believe, truly believe, that God wants you to succeed in this life? If you don't, then you're not reading your Bible. The Lord wants you to be a success, whether it's in business, in ministry, in your job, as a stay-at-home mom or dad these days. God wants you to be a success. And if you belong to Jesus then you have all that you need to achieve great things. I want to leave you with three things. Dave gives us three keys to success, and and this is in any area. Not just ministry, but we're focusing on the church today, of course. What's the first one, do you think? I knew some of you were going to say faith, but this is a vision sermon. So, number one, you have to have vision. How do we know that? Jeremiah 33, 3, read it with me. Call to me and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. God gives you permission. Ask. 
and he will show you. Don't go around blindfolded. If you are, that's your own fault. If you do, don't do that anymore. Get a vision. Catch a vision from the, from the Lord. God will show you. Number two, knowledge. Now, how many people like to read? How many don't? Let me ask that one. Lots more hands going up. I have learned to read. I, I don't necessarily like it, but I recognize it's necessary if, if, if I want to say anything of, of substance today, especially the Word, but all sorts of knowledge. But we can also go to what? How many of you, you go to fix something, what's the first thing you're going to do? Instead of read the instructions, you're going to what? YouTube it. You know, somebody else has already gone through the headaches of figuring out what worked and what didn't. You realize that's knowledge. You're just sparing yourself from making the same dumb mistakes that most of us make when you do that stuff without reading the instructions. Right? And, and there are so many other ways to gain knowledge. Going back to school. I know it's, a lot of you are like, uh-uh. But sometimes that's what God tells you to do. And you better do it. Some of you young people have discounted education. Don't do that. There are ways you can go to school today, even living in Ehlert. It's called the internet. So if the Lord's telling you to do something, what do you better do? Do it. Listen to podcasts. What about getting a mentor? Somebody that's already gone through the school of hard knocks. And they can help you not make all the same mistakes. The third essential is this. Obedience. Obedience to whom? God. God to His Word, to, to the mandates of Scripture. He tells us what to do. When you take this, and I mean no disrespect, and you do this, and that's where it lays, you can't just say, I'm going to stand on the Word of God. That doesn't do a thing. When you're standing on the Word of God, you're speaking it. You're confessing it. It's a part of who you are. Greater is he that lives in me than he that's in this world. Amen. You and I have got to get a vision for our lives. And then we have to take action. Even though it's invisible, we have to take the right steps walking toward the goal God has given you. And then it will come to pass. Hallelujah. It is so quiet in here today. Usually I have cheerleaders, but not this week. Paul had a vision of the church. One without spot or wrinkle. What does that mean? Paul saw the church 
under Christ as being holy and righteous. Not in themselves, but through the righteousness of Christ. We're saved by grace and not by works. None of us can boast about our salvation. But God wants all men to be saved. All women, all boys, all girls. He wants everybody to be saved. And we can hang on to that. Wherever you might be today, God wants you to be in his kingdom forever. But where there is no vision, it's chaos, it's disaster. We see churches being destroyed today because they're being divided. Half believe what the world says, half believe what the Bible says. Which side should we be on? We can't make the mistake of believing both sides. You can't ride the fence. Jesus said you're either for me or you're against me. You're either with me or you're not. Someday, we're going to stand before him. And those who are with him will be welcomed into heaven. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Those who weren't with him, those who chose to take their own path in life, to do whatever the world told them to do, whatever felt good, they are going to be separated from God. And he's going to say, get this wicked and lazy, lazy servant away from me. Cast them into that place where there's gnashing and weeping. Gnashing of teeth and weeping. Weeping and gnashing. I'm dyslexic. I can't help it. I'm going to close with a little story, but let me just lead up to it. Dave said this, you can scratch with the turkeys or you can fly with the eagles. Now you can get a good picture here in Gaylord because we see turkeys all the time. and They're out there along the side of the road Right? Well, what do eagles do? They fly up in the sky where they can see down and they can see dinner. Or danger, whichever way it might be. Isaiah 40, 31 is based on this. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And I believe we can apply this passage of Scripture to our lives when we mount up with wings like eagles, when we catch a vision from God. Back in the 50s, as somebody comes and plays softly, a woman named Florence Chadwick she was best known for her feat of swimming the English Channel. I don't know if you've ever heard her name before. In 1952, Florence decided to swim from Catalina Island to the California coastline. Just a mere 26 miles. I can't even walk 26 miles, let alone swim it. But a fog rolled in where she couldn't see the shore. Sadly, Florence gave up that day. Little did she know she was a mere half a mile from the shoreline. 
Two months later, Florence attempted to swim in the same area. And guess what happened? Just like the first time, a fog rolled in. The difference was, this time she made it to her goal. And after she stepped on the shore, one of the uh, newspaper people asked her this question, what's the difference? Last time you stopped when the fog rolled in, this time you made it. What changed? And she told the newspaper guy, she said, listen, this time I got a picture of that shoreline before the fog rolled in. I knew it was there. And I just kept swimming toward it like I knew where I was going. And she made it. And that's what we need to do. Even though we can't see with our eyes, we know it's there in our heart. With vision, you can endure the hardship because you can see the end result. Would you stand with me? We need to catch the vision from God. See ourselves victorious. See ourselves succeeding. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan to give you a hope and a future. And in the next verse it says, those who call on me, I will answer them. God wants you to catch a vision for your life. What does that mean? What's that look like? I can't tell you. I have my own vision. We don't share our visions, although they do come into alignment in the church. But what does God want you to do? Would you do this with me? Just ask the Lord right where you're standing. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I need a vision from heaven. I want to know what you know as far as my future is concerned. Give me a vision for my life. Help me to see my purpose. And then to act on it. And to be obedient. Even if it's a hard thing. Help me to be faithful. And to carry through with it. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's my prayer today. Your will, Lord, not mine. Now guide me, instruct me, give me purpose. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, I want you to take this next week or two. I know some of you are going on vacation and spring break stuff. Can you believe it's almost Easter? Woo! But take this idea. Get in your prayer place, wherever that is. And, and I, I skipped some things today, like creative loafing and awesome stuff like that. Just 
Find a place where you can listen to God. And many of you have to turn off that computer that you call a phone. Right? And just listen to the Holy Spirit. Let Him speak to you. Now, I said I was going to do this, and I want to do it before we close. If there's anybody here today who'd say, I I need Jesus. That's step one in the kingdom of God. You have to have a relationship with the Master. Jesus came to save those who were lost. He didn't die on that cross just so that we could go, oh, poor Jesus. He died on that cross so we wouldn't have to pay the price that was necessary for our sins. Because we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. We, not anybody here, is righteous enough to get into heaven without being forgiven of your sins. And Jesus was the only one who could die in our place. He was the perfect sacrifice. What did John say when he saw him coming, walking toward the water? He said, behold, the Lamb of God, who what? Takes away the sin of the world. And that's what Jesus came for. But we have to say yes. It's just like us standing on this. It does you no good until you take action, until you vocalize it with this. And I I shared this last week. I'm going to do it again. It bears witness. Romans, who remembers? Close. It's, It's actually not bad. 9 through 13. Yes. No, don't, don't apologize. Hey, you got the right chapter. You're good. This is what Paul said. And the message is, the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. And then verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you bow your heads? If you're here today and you just say, Pastor, I, I, I don't think I'm ready. If God were to say it's time and my heart were to stop beating today, I, I don't know where I'd go. But if you want to be sure, I want to pray with you. Would you just lift your hand up so I can see it real quick? Yep. Wow. Yep. You can put them down. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. A lot of hands just went up. So as a church, we want to pray with you. This is between you and the Lord. I believe the next step is where you publicly let people know what you've done, and that is, of course, water baptism. But right today... The Bible says that your name is going to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life when you pray this, according to the words of the Apostle Paul. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I'm going to lead you, and I want our church family to join us, if you would, please. And those who raised your hand, if you mean business with God, you really want Him, you want Him to change you from the inside out. You pray this prayer as though the Lord is standing in front of you, which I believe He is, because what does Scripture say? Where two or more gather in his name, he is 
there. He's here. Are you ready for this? All right, let's pray. Father, forgive me of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus to take my place on the cross. And he did it victoriously. They threw him in the ground after they killed him. But I believe three days later, he rose from the dead. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for me. And today, I yield to you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person. I believe it. The scriptures say it. I trust the scriptures. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you can picture the angels throwing a big old party right now because your names were all just added into the book of life. And, and we often hear that humor. Yeah, amen. We often hear that humor of somebody going to St. Peter and getting denied. Not you. Not you. You have just been accepted into God's kingdom. You are a child of God. Now live like it. Amen? Catch a vision for your life. Father, we thank you again for everything you're doing here at the Hope. And we pray that nobody leaves here unchanged, that we're all changed for the better. God, just move on our hearts, move on our lives. Keep us safe in our coming in and our going. Help us to let our light shine in this very dark world. We pray it again in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have other prayer requests or needs, we'll be up here uh, at the altar. You're free to come, and, and we'd be happy to pray with you. God bless.